Welcome to the Arms Race. This is the podcast where we gradually attempt to determine which action star has the highest body count of them all. I'm Kevin Keen. And I'm Mike Olson, and today we'll be discussing Rhinestone, released by 20th Century Fox on June 21st, 1984, starring Sylvester Stallone, Dolly Parton, Richard Farnsworth, Tim Tomerson, and Ron Liebman, written by Phil Alden Robinson and Sylvester Stallone, based on the song Rhinestone Cowboy by Larry Weiss. <laughs> Music by Dolly Parton, directed by Bob Clark. Yes, our second in our series on Sylvester Stallone. Yes. You still want to be doing this after Rhinestone? Well, <laughs> let, let me tell you this. Here's what you saved yourself from by picking this one. Okay. You saved you, yourself from what my next pick was going to be, because it's in the same category. Oh, really? Yes. Based on how bad puns was winding down, we had kind of the dr- the dregs left of a lot. I sure. Want, I was. I thought to myself, my next pick. <laughs> oh, I know what I know what you were going to pick. What was I going to pick? Stop or my mom will shoot. Absolutely, yeah, that's okay. what I was going to pick. Okay, so you good. saved yourself a long time now until next season. Yes, this was a strategic move. Yes, that's exactly what Strategery. it was. Strategery. Is this better or worse than that? Is is really the question? I don't remember. Stop or my mom will shoot. But I'll let me say this. I've never seen it. Ah, uh, this this was approaching being worse than any of the Arnold movies. I don't think it was worse than Junior, but it's in the same conversation. I had a feeling you'd come in with this opinion because, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, and I'm more musically inclined than you, and here we are doing a podcast about a musical. (laughs) I knew you'd come in hating this. I actually, you know, it's not a good movie. It's a bad movie. One of the reasons why I picked it, I said in the last episode, this is a friend of mine's favorite movie from when she was a kid, so like... I picked it partially as a favorite her, but I think I would have ended up picking it anyway because it's a musical, and like this is very unusual for our podcast, the fact that it's a musical. Uh, may not be the last. Uh, no, maybe we'll do Clint Eastwood and we'll get Paint Your Wagon. <laughs> <laughs> there may be another musical sooner than that. Oh, okay, I'm going <laughs> to keep it in my back pocket for now. Great. You know, I'm not a huge country music fan. I'm certainly not a Dolly Parton fan, but I do think the musicianship in this movie carries me through it, and I do think there are some things that are funny. I think there, this movie has its charms, even if it's not. It's still, it's not a good movie. Wow. I wish I, I well, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I wish I could say I share that. The ironic thing is, is that I wound up finding out that uh, a coworker who I'm still, uh, I don't work with him anymore, haven't for a number of years, but we stay in touch. We're pretty good friends, go to lunch a lot. This was his wife and they're, they're basically our age, same age, you know, late thirties. Right. It was her favorite movie as well. He has not go. seen so many great movies like The Godfather, Die Hard. He thinks Young Guns is a great movie and one of the best of all time. <laughs> Young the, Guns is actually not bad. I haven't seen it in a long it time. It might be not bad. It's not one of the best movies of all time. But more importantly, this is one of the few DVDs they have in their house is <laughs> Rhinestone. Okay. I mean, it, yeah, it has its fans. I, this is Stallone's Batman and Robin in a lot of ways in that it's widely considered to be his worst movie and it was just terribly panned at the time and like you know won all the razzies and all that i mean you don't know you know i don't care about that stuff i know you don't but it deserved many of them i, I, I know you know it's it's a badly written badly directed movie and yes. i can't deny any of that but to one degree or another a musical succeeds and fails on the quality of its music and i think the music in this movie is okay i mean i won't bash the music i'm not a country fan i'm not a dolly parton fan no but if if you were forcing me to find a redeeming quality, I would probably say yes, that. that it, if, if that's all it was setting out to do was to be a soundtrack, I mean, mission accomplished. I think the soundtrack is probably a really good one sure. for those that like that kind of music. Yeah. But to try and base an entire movie around a soundtrack, that's not a good idea. 
What is if you're making a musical? Like that's what a musical is. It's like the, okay. the story almost doesn't matter. Then, I mean, it matters. It does, it's not that it doesn't matter. Then the casting and the choices made for this particular musical was not a good choice. Well, that's that's a fair criticism. I, mean, I think the one caveat I would give to I enjoyed the music more or less is that Sylvester Stallone cannot sing, and well, uh, you know he can barely talk. <laughs> but like, okay, you know, obviously he's supposed to be bad at the beginning. I think it more or less works when he's really terrible and just, you know. Yes. Uh, but then, yeah, where do you go from there? Are you going to try? I mean, they could have just, like, dubbed him or something and had, like, this amazing singer at the end. Just like, oh, you learned how to sing. That probably would have been a better choice. Or they could have totally taken this in a different direction in terms of, like, you know, he only had two weeks. He didn't really get much better, but he wins the crowd over on his bravado or something, which I guess is kind of what they're that's saying. Basic, that's basically what they went with. But Or they could have done it a whole different thing. So, like, I, I kind of was expecting the first time I watched it, there, I was expecting there to be kind of a slobs versus snobs aspect to this movie, which it hints at the beginning. Like, there's the part where uh, uh, Freddie, the, the club owner. Yeah, Freddie Younger. The owner of the rhinestone. He is set up to be, like, this... I mean, he's a creep, but he's also kind of a snob. He's yeah, like, oh, he's I'm rich, up, and oh, every right. day is great when you're rich. It's one of, the first line is one of my favorite things in the movie. <laughs> okay, oh, so it was all downhill from there, I it, guess. It, just about, yes. Um, but, you know, I, I, I kind of thought the movie would go, oh, Stallone is this kind of blue-collar... Working man. Working man, and then he, he goes... He, he is dismissive of these country folk, and then... He kind of learns he's to respect them. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and then he comes back, and then... Because here's the thing. The crowd in the rhinestone was just filled, seemed like a room full of yuppies who were only there to make fun of country music. They're just like, ah, screw this stuff. Like, they're only there to crap on the music You're that they're way ahead of yourself. Yeah, we're getting yes. ahead of ourselves. But I guess my, I think if the movie had gone in that direction where, like, they boo him and he's just like, hey, you know, I mean, it would have been cheesy, but just like, I've learned to respect this kind of music and you people don't respect it and just like shames them into having him win the competition or something. (laughs) You know, I think there's a way to make this work even with Stallone being a terrible singer. Uh, But they just decided, no, he's great at the end. That's that's the wrong decision. (laughs) I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. We can uh, start getting into it. So I have two questions for you. Uh, All right. What day is it? What year? It is a very important question. So, so what was going on in 1984? June 1984. So here's probably the, the, the box office and the most interesting thing. Rhinestone was absolutely buried when it came out. And, oh, yeah. It was like a notable flop. Uh, well, yeah. So it premiered, and it was the number four movie when it premiered. Wow. That's even worse than I realized. But... Here's the reason why. This was really bad time. Oh, 1984 was a monster. This came out in the yeah, it came out in June, right? Came out in June. Yeah, so that the, was a monster summer. The number one movie in America, Back to the Future. That's the next year. Oh, oh yeah, I guess so. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, right? With Gremlins, Gremlins. at number two, and actually Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which it was pretty far in its run at this point, but it still was the number three movie. So I mean, look. That's some tough competition. Right. I can't blame its, its flop going up against that. But here's the thing that I think was really, really... Uh, oh, and by the way, Police Academy was still hanging on at number 12. Oh, can I guess this one? Uh, uh, Police Academy 1? Yeah, it was Police Academy oh, 1. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, yeah I, 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 I would have guessed too. I always <laughs> think that they're sooner... Or, or, I always shift everything over by a couple of years. I, I will make sure to find the Police Academy that's out whenever it's out and see if you can name <laughs> that Police Academy. I'm always going to get it wrong because I always feel like the Police Academies came out earlier than they did that's fine and actually also premiering at the same time as rhinestone at number five i was surprised the karate kid 
Oh, yeah, I guess that is that year. So it, it picked up, actually, a little bit as time went on, the Karate Kid. Um, yeah, that doesn't surprise me that that started small, because that's got no stars. At all. It's like Arnold from Happy Days. Right. Is the, he's the biggest star in the movie. It's like, you know, I, that's, that's not going to have a big opening. But really, from the history, what I thought, more so than Ryan Stone at number four, because look, against those two, jugger- three juggernauts, really, I, that's not surprising. Here's what is shocking in today's current box office env- environment. I went back and I looked, when did Ghostbusters start? When did Gremlins start? Sure. And then how long did they continue number one? Ghostbusters was the number one movie for seven weeks. Wow. Seven weeks. Six of those weeks, this is what I was shocked, Gremlins was number two. Those two movies for six weeks were number one and number two. Yeah. All right, so then you get to week eight. Purple Rain beats Ghostbusters in its debut, but a mi- by a minute amount. Sure. A small amount. That's its eighth week. <laughs> it can be forgiven. It's its, it's its eighth week. And then in week nine, Ghostbusters took it back. Oh, wow. That thing was just an absolute juggernaut. Take that, Prince. Yeah, I mean, if you if you really sat back and looked at, at numbers of bodies in seats, Ghostbusters just has to be a phenomenal accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the earliest movie phenomenons I can remember as a kid. We were five, so it's like... I have no memories of like the Star Wars phenomenon, but Ghostbusters was the one. I'm just like, everyone loves Ghostbusters. It was everywhere. And so for me, it was perfect that this was for you, Jamie's, you know, favorite movie as a kid. Yeah. I love the, and, and, uh, uh, you know, the wife of a coworker of mine, Ghostbusters by far and away the most influential movie in my childhood. Sure. The toys were the most important thing. So. I take pride that the number one movie when Rhinestone came out was my favorite in Ghostbusters. Well, I mean, for people our age, it was just an age where everything was going to be, it's going to make a big impact. Right. Five years old is like when you start to have opinions about things. It's like, if you're a little boy, you're probably way into Ghostbusters. And if you're a little girl, you're probably way into Dolly Parton, I guess. And Rhinestone, right, yeah, and exactly. Rhinestone. Uh, and there's nothing, I have nothing against Gremlins either, by the way. It was another movie that I really enjoyed as a kid. I was a little scared of that movie. For some reason, I wasn't scared of Ghostbusters. I don't know why. Oh, I was pretty scared of Ghostbusters. Really? Yeah, the scenes yeah. where the arms are coming out of the, the, I, the I mean, couch. I mean, now, like, looking back. I was I, terrified of Yeah, I can see. I don't know what was wrong with me that I wasn't terrified of Ghostbusters, but I was terrified of Spike in Gremlins. Yeah. Go figure. I, I didn't see Gremlins until later. Although Gremlins 2, not as scary, but also... Uh, not as good either. I, I was about to say almost as good. I, really? I like Gremlins 2 a lot, but All right. let's move on. So, yeah, the rest of history. So, that, for me, that was the biggest stuff in the box office. I, what else is there to tell, really, in, in June of 1984? Yeah. Ghostbusters and Gremlins dominated yeah. as they should and temple of doom like those, those must have been the big three the whole summer yeah temple of doom was starting to wind down so it it was i think a may release and it was just getting towards the end of its run and when you're running into a buzzsaw like those two it's understandable yeah all right so the much uh, reviled by you s&p 500 <laughs> if you hadn't given an update i would have insisted that you give an update so believe me at this point we're committed to giving it was the at, s&p 500 update. uh which it was tanking actually today the day we're recording this That's right uh, but it was at 151 in uh july 1st of 1984 because going back it's hard to get charts of the exact day when you get this far back so sure. i had to get the closest date that's fine because what, you, you don't being care inexact anyway. about this it's like what oh my god 181 all right I so june 4th the boss releases born in the usa it was his seventh studio album which that i was surprised by that oh yeah he'd been around since like the early 70s it took him a long time to really get big I didn't, they, he's putting out albums forever. I didn't. I mean, I, I learned a little bit about his career from the Defiant ones uh, on HBO that I that you would recommend. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I had no idea he had this many albums by the time Born in the USA came out. Mm-hmm. All right, this one I was so excited to find. 
June 11th, Michael Larson wins a record $110,237 on Press Your Luck by oh, Memorizing Patterns. That guy, yeah, 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 yeah. Mainly because one of, I, I made such a big deal out of sure. if you're going to pull it up, right? <laughs> That's a false alarm. We're only supposed to play that when Frank Stallone appears. But, I understand, uh, but when I saw a Press Your Luck, I'm like, I absolutely have to get this in there. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I remember seeing a YouTube uh, documentary about that guy, and it was fascinating. Like the way he, cause I even remember watching Press Your Luck and going like, that seems like it's a real easy pattern. to. It's a repeating pattern. Yeah, and apparently, uh, and $110,000 in 1984, that was some serious cash. Yeah, it's a really good, it's, it's somewhere on YouTube. It's a really good documentary I about that. That, that guy out. didn't have a good life after that, though, unfortunately. But uh, let's Mike, leave it. Money ruins a lot of things, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, all right. There wasn't a lot that I found, but June 22nd, Virgin Atlantic Airways commences operations. I honestly thought that was like something in the 2000s. Dates back to 1984. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I would have thought I guessed in the 90s, but, I, but still, not the 2000s. Uh, all right. So then I had to find June 23rd, which is when this, around the, the, the premiere date of Rhinestone, Duran Duran, The Reflex, is the number one single in America, displacing Cindy Lauper's Time After Time. Wow, The Reflex? I don't remember that song at all. I remember Time After Time. I know that actually from the movie Time After Time more than anything else. Oh, with Malcolm McDowell? Yes. That song was in that movie? It was, I don't know if it was for the soundtrack, but yes, it absolutely is. Wow, that was that song written for that movie? How I did I never make that connection? I think it was. I'm not a music guy, but I'm pretty sure that that's the opening credits. I mean, that makes sense, and yeah. the timing is right. So, um, all yeah. right, the New York Times bestseller in fiction, Full Circle by Danielle Steele. And that woman cranks out like a book every three weeks, as far as I'm concerned. My mom was always reading books by her. She actually just had one. She was over watching my kids earlier this week. <laughs> and I'm like, you're still reading Danielle Steele books? Hey, if there's still new books. Apparently so. I mean, Stephen King isn't that much different. As, just, you're you know, right. Different, uh, different genre. Genre, yeah. Uh, so the last bit of history that I got, uh, this, this is a little bit of a dig for me. June 27th, Fire Destroys a, a Set on a view to a kill, and I just said, sadly, the movie continued. <laughs> I, will, I hate that Bond movie. I, I know you no fight about it. I know you have a soft spot for that movie. That's more than a soft spot. I mean, it's that's fun bad. That's a fun bad movie. Grace Jones is all I need to say. You just have something against Grace Jones. What did she ever do to you? She did nothing to me other than be terrible in Conan the Destroyer, and she's not as bad in A View to a Kill. A View to a Kill is just a bad movie. She saves the day at the end of A View to a Kill. She, she well, spoilers, but she, she decides to turn on uh, Christopher Walken. Well, stop a nuke from going off or whatever. She that's did. what was going on in the uh, in the United States. I didn't have much world history on this one, but uh, maybe maybe the next go around. So that was June 1984. Okay. So now it's time for the plot summary. That's right. Let's talk about the big picture. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. So, who, who, do you want to do the plot summary, or should I take a crack at it? Dolly Parton, uh, what's her, what's Jake? Jake. Right? Which constantly confused me in my notes. I kept going, who's Jake? And oh, <laughs> her name is Jake. Is that a thing? This, uh, women named Jake? This is the first uh, time ever. My guess is it was a nickname for Jacqueline or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, I guess so. So, Dolly Parton as, is Jake, and she is a singer in this uh, New York honky-tonk bar called The Rhinestone. This movie, <laughs> based on the song Rhinestone Cowboy, as we read in the credits, which is such a crazy thing. It's beyond insane. A movie based on a, a pop song from like 10 years prior. <laughs> that song came out in 1975. This movie's from 1984. It's like, wow, real, real hip Rhinestone. We're <laughs> really on top of things. And the only reason I knew Rhinestone Cowboy, the song, this is going to be crazy to you, but there was, you know, I mean, I blend on real estate, and each piece of real estate generally would be owned by its own LLC, and people will pick random names. 
Well, some property out in California had the name Rhinestone in, <laughs> okay. in the name. And you the, think Stallone was an investor? No, or something? well, I don't know about that. No, I, th- I think it had to do with actually the, the name of the property in some way. Okay. But every time it was referenced by my boss, who was a huge music fan, I mean, at, at the time, this is like the early 2000s, I can't even tell you the amount of CDs he had and obscure stuff and really popular, but he knew music. But every time we had to talk about it, like a rhinestone cowboy. It's the only reason I know rhinestone cowboy. Okay. I assume you didn't know that this movie was based on that song. Because no. you referenced it last episode. I was like, I'm just going to let him find out that nope. this movie's actually based on that song. Had zero clue. <laughs> well, I, I don't know the lyrics of that song. I meant to look it up and I forgot. But it's like, I don't think that the song is about... A like, taxi cab driver yeah, trying to like become a singer? A city guy trying to become a country star. I don't think that's what it's about. I have I'm, no idea. I mean, I think vaguely, my, my recollection of that song is it's just about, like, fame or something and, like, how hollow fame is. But it's I guess that's sort of part of this movie, but not really. No. Um, but anyway, yeah, she works for this sleazy guy, uh, Freddie. Yes. And he's got a contract on her that she wants to get out of. And in order to get out of this contract, she makes this bet. Why? <laughs> I mean, she wants to get out of her contract. She feels like he's holding her back. She's going to be this uh, a star, but she's stuck singing in his club. And that's why. That's what we're supposed to believe is I, I why. mean, that's why. I, look, I'm, I'm going to give you just my, my quick note that I had in case I had to do this. Nick is an unlikely singer. Jake has a misogynist boss that instead of suing him for sexual harassment, she makes a bet to either sleep with him or tear up her singing contract. Well, it's and. I think it's, well, those are the two sides of it. Exactly. She gets to tear up the contract if she wins. He gets to sleep with her if he wins. Yes. Yeah. That was a much more concise plot summary than mine. And, but wait a minute, and it's a contract extension, too. Right, for five years. Yeah, it's really a one-sided bet. It's a very one-sided bet, because not only is he getting more out of the deal, she... Gets out of three years of this contract. If he wins, he gets an extra five years, and he sleeps with her. And the odds are already long because the whole bet is to take right. some nobody and turn him into a rhinestone cowboy that he gets to pick. That he gets to pick. She should be getting all the odds in the world. This is like a <laughs> twenty to one bet. She should be getting at least way, twenty to one. Yeah, she should be getting like way better. What do you call it? A prize. It's been a long time since I gambled. What's that? The payout. Oh, like a money line? No, I'm just saying the payout. Like she should be getting oh, a much yeah. better payout than for what she's Absolutely. putting for what she's putting up. Absolutely, <laughs> you know? it's such a crazy premise. This whole thing is like a sitcom. It's a sitcom premise. It's the right era for it too, yeah, in terms of a sitcom it's premise. Written like a sitcom. Like there are a lot of movies, like a lot of comedies from this period. We're very kind of sitcom-y in a way that this movie feels like. See, but to me, and I, I don't know, maybe maybe I'll just ask you. Because for some reason, for me, trading places still works. As absurd as that is, and as horribly racist as it is, mm. that movie still, I don't know, it's still funny to me. And maybe, I, maybe it shouldn't be funny to me. but it, And maybe it's because it's Eddie Murphy, right? And somewhat Dan Aykroyd is the reason that that carries the day and it's funny. Right. But that has a ridiculous bet within it. It's very 1980s, but that seems far more plausible than this. Well, there's a big difference between the two in that there, the bet is comically small and comically low stakes. Like, they're ruining people's lives for a dollar. Yes. Whereas here, (laughs) one dollar. One dollar. Here, the stakes of the bet so overpower the competition. It's like the focus should be about the competition, but all you're thinking about is just how gross it is that she's going to have to sleep with this sleazy guy. And it's like that she agreed to it, that he even suggested it. It's like, I mean, obviously in 2018, given some right. s- social change that's been happening in the last year, it's like, it's extra, extra gross. It's like watching it now, 
the fact that like everyone puts up with this guy and he never even gets any comeuppance in oh. terms of yeah he's still a sleaze he still is running this bar with a, a ton of other girls working there he's probably pulling the same stuff on them he gets no comeuppance at all he just loses the bets oh gee whiz i gotta tear up this contract that's the worst he gets but you're right <laughs> and watching it now just like this guy needs to pay the worst price i mean he's sort of humiliated a little bit but not much not much like barely, no. not, not even really in public just in in private in front of nick and jake that's he's it. sort of humiliated yeah I mean, he pays he, no price for this. I mean, he has to buy a taxi cab, but other than that, that's true. If he has a financial cost, but it's not much. I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things. Well, actually, does he need to still buy that cab? Because by the end, Nick Sylvester Stallone's character, Nick, decides he doesn't want to be a cab driver anymore. He's fallen, fallen in love with country music, and he wants to be a singer. That's true, but you know, he'd he'd want he'd still want the cab. Does he though? What's he, he going to do with it? He, he doesn't turn wanna... around and sell it. <laughs> I guess. So yeah, it, just just for the the monetary value. Yes. Thing? Yeah, I guess so. But that's not enough. Like, who cares? I, I don't care about this guy's bank account. You want to see him, you know, you want to see him humiliated at the very least publicly. But, and so here's the thing is that just just us talking about it, how flimsy is that premise? Of course. It's it's the biggest problem in this movie is it's the whole movie is built on a bedrock of sand. You know, <laughs> it's just the premise is ridiculous. I, the old water sandwich. No, but I think, yes, exactly. The water sandwich. Um, I think you could make this work in a trading places sort of way of just like, it's a social experiment. Let's see if we can take somebody who has no interest in country music and turn them into a country star for a night. If you make it very light and breezy and low stakes and just like, well, we'll, we'll see if this works. Maybe not. It's just like, if, if you make it kind of fun and, and light, then I think it could work. I, I think that character, um, Freddie, he just weighs this whole movie down because it's just like, you know what's at stake, and it's just you're right. It's and, way too heavy maybe, for a movie that should be very light and breezy. And maybe my comparison of trading places is, is a bad one because if you would have taken that dynamic, if it was somebody that was living in Trump Tower, that <laughs> yes, that went and like learned a lesson, then you know what? Maybe maybe it is a better movie and more entertaining. I don't know. You know that it's not because effectively, right? Sylvester Stallone, what's he really learning? He's working class. He's going in now it's city working class, right. meeting country working class, but that's not that big of a delta when you really think about it. I think the bigger shock and comedy could have been driven from Freddie actually being the one who goes and has to learn how to sing country music. Somebody who's privileged, I think would have been a more interesting dynamic. Oh, sure. I, I still don't know if it would have been good, but I think it would have been better. I mean, yeah, that uh, you're right. I think that is a good... I didn't even think about that. Like Winthorpe that's effectively good, has to go and become a country music singer. <laughs> right. No, it's a good suggestion because it's like... Well, I mean, I, I don't know if that makes sense from the point of view of this bet because the whole idea is he's always trying to find talent. Yeah. And also, like, obviously, in the case of this story, everyone in that bar knows who he is. And it's like, if he goes up on stage and tries to sing, yeah, so it's I, not going to be like, I just meant some, fair bet. Yeah. I meant somebody more from, you know, his social, sure. social strata. Oh, you mean literally like trading places like, a, yeah. a, like Dan Aykroyd's character in that movie. Yes. Going to the country, country and learning something about him, you know, himself learning something, some humility, right. And then still being able to sing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the, the Stallone character just being like, I don't like country music. I think it's junk. It's just like, that's really, all you're starting with. You're right. He doesn't have very far to travel. No. It's just like, now I like it. It's like, okay, great. Like, cause there's nothing, there's no real drama in that transformation. No, cause he starts off with having a lot already in common. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a bad movie. It's a badly written movie. But, you know, it's a musical, and it's just... Really, this plot is just a pretense to get you from one musical number to the next, for the most part. Pretty much. Or one kind of comedy set piece to the next. Like, I don't know. There, there's some stuff. Like, you didn't find anything funny in this movie? You didn't- I, I mean, there were a couple of things that were moderately funny, but then it was drowned out with things that just didn't make sense. What about the, the guy at the beginning the, who goes up on stage and sings about his dead wife who got mauled by the tractor? Alright, so if, if you... You want to save that for the little details? Yeah, we, let's, we can, we let's can save, save that. There, I, so there, uh, there were a few moments... I, that's the reason that's why. That's funny, though. Like, the, there, are, there are, yeah, okay, you're right. I mean, I guess the comedy is all small moments. The big picture stuff is, is it doesn't work. And and that's why when we when we opened up, I'm not willing to say that this is worse than Junior, because Junior fails on all levels and isn't right. accidentally funny. There, there, It just isn't good on any level. Oh, there's, like, I don't think I laughed a single time in Junior. No, and that that's, that's my point. But this is at least in that realm, but it's not nearly as bad as Junior, because there I, were at least a few moments that I found where I'd at least chuckle, if not laugh out loud. Maybe Junior would have been better if it had been a musical. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe we should write the Junior musical. <laughs> Wouldn't that be like the new producers, right? Where they were just trying to lose money hand over fist right, exactly. for the tax breaks? I mean, that's that's been done before. Take a terrible movie and turn it into... That's Little Shop of Horrors, basically. Yeah. They took the original Roger Corman movie and turned it into a musical, and then it became a huge hit and turned back into a movie <laughs> that's really good. Maybe we're onto something. Oh, it's the junior musical. Yeah, we need to talk about this offline. We don't want to give away too many details. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the the big picture story, does, it doesn't work. I mean, well, how do you feel about the stuff down? Because uh, Nick goes down to Tennessee to Jake's hometown. Le- Leaper's Fork? Is that what it was called? Yeah. I didn't notice the name of the town. I, I believe so. Oh, right. I did notice that because she had a line about lepers about five minutes earlier than that. And I said, did that say Leaper's Fork? And it's oh, <laughs> Leaper's Fork. <laughs> Maybe that's why she's so preoccupied with lepers. Um, but they go to her hometown, and she tries to teach him country music. Well, actually, she more is trying to teach him how to like walk and how to eat biscuits, and Thank she's you. not even teaching him music. <laughs> it's so I was just yelling at the screen. <laughs> I have it in the little details. It's like what? But the uh, movie calls her out for it. The movie, you know, Nick says you're being you know too demanding, and you're not really teaching me anything useful. And he goes up to the bar and gets drunk and meets her her ex. Yeah, and that's the thing. Okay, so you know what I liked? Probably the best. I liked Barnett. There was a lot that I liked about him. <laughs> yeah, you know what he reminded me of? Actually, it's funny. It's, uh, speaking of uh, Little Shop of Horrors, he reminds me of Steve Martin in Little Shop of Horrors. He has the exact same fake Southern accent. You're right. Like, I don't think that actor is Southern. He's just a oh, guy. No. I'm, I'm here. I'm from Tennessee. Yeah. No, hey, buddy. He, What's he, it like to do heroin? He, heroin. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like to shoot up a bunch of <laughs> heroin? That's the thing is for some That's reason. Funny. I like it foamy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a big plot problem in terms of the way they treat that character. You know, he's kind of a, a loudmouth guy, and you can understand why, like, she wouldn't like him or whatever. But it's like, yeah, he's pretty likable. And then Nick and him become friends. Right. Bar- Barnett, he, that's his name? Barnett. And Barnett teaches Nick some stuff. Right, exactly. That's what my point is. I... I mean, they make Barnett out to be this bad guy because I guess he likes drinking beer. But <laughs> yeah, I had a hard time with that because I'm like, he's. I wanted more of him because he actually made me kind of smile and well, laugh. Well, he is depicted as being jealous when uh, Nick and Jake are at the bar and they're dancing. And yeah, they're like, he's dancing with your girl. It's like she's been gone for how many years? Right. <laughs> I think that's the only time when they start like it's like a switch flips, and it's like, well, now this guy's. Like a, a bad guy. Yeah, and I, I'm just like, I don't see that. That's not who that character and that actor is. He was portraying it 10 minutes before. Yeah. I mean, literally a switch flips, because remember, they go into that bar in that scene, 
and it's like, I love that guy, Jake. It's, and then it's called Tennessee Parallel Parking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's see, those are some of the best lines. No, there's some funny stuff in the movie. That's what I'm saying. I feel like you're 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 helping my case. But then uh, Jake comes in, and you know Barnett sees her, and she's like, Oh, come on, Nicholas, dance. And then Barnett goes, I hate that guy. Like literally, a switch is flipping. Like, right. he, it, it, but the movie is almost calling it out. It's all, it's. It's playing it kind of for kitsch. It's just like, it's not trying to play it as like an emotionally real moment. He just flips, he's just going, ah, now I hate you. Like the movie hangs a lantern on it and says, here, like this is just, it does. We're, we're making fun of ourselves, basically. It does. The problem I have, though, is that the, the one, at least for me, likable character all of a sudden then is the bad guy. It's yeah. Like, I mean, there's no question this movie would have benefited for some, with some nuance. It's like if that character had been more nuanced and been more, more like, like uh, the, almost what they needed to be was like, the t- the angel devil on Nick's shoulders. Right. She's like she's like I'm gonna teach you the good wholesome you know down home way of life. And he's just like let's go drinking. I'm gonna show yeah. you. I'm gonna, I'm show, gonna you the show you real what way. the cowboy does after work. Exactly. Well, he's not a cowboy. Don't insult him. What? Where? <laughs> right. I forgot about. He's not that. a cowboy. He doesn't like cowboys. Um, I mean, to be honest, that's what it should have been. Is the two of them should have then come together and join forces. And be like the two of us together, we can right. really whoop them into shape. And then for me, I would have liked to seen Barnett at the rhinestone. That's the thing is, I li- I kind of liked Barnett. I wanted to see him there. Yeah, I mean. He gets way more comeuppance even than Freddie does, which is unfair because I agree right, he, he gets, doesn't deserve it. It's, it's, well, the crowd loves uh, Nick for it. Nick just starts snapping on him like he's in a deaf comedy jam or something. <laughs> your rusty zipper and your yellow boots or whatever. I, I assumed that you probably had written down every one of those zingers. Or no, I, I actually didn't. Okay. Uh, we can find it. But it's just like no, it, he just turns his – it's like here's here's my big it musical debut. It's like debut. a Barnett roast all of a sudden. Yeah, and he, he wins the crowd over by – and then my favorite part is the crowd. He was like, yeah, Barnett, he's got such a – urinary problem he, he he's got a rusty uh, zipper and yellow boots and then someone just goes oh that's barnett all right <laughs> like, he literally has yellow boots <laughs> right like these are just facts that he's it's yes. like yes we confirm that this is true i did notice that that wasn't a, that's barnett but it's like it's preposterous the movie knows it's 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 a silly movie it knows it's a silly movie it doesn't necessarily excuse the bad stuff in it but it's like that's a sign that the movie knows what kind of movie it is but i agree it's not for i liked barnett until the movie just decides. Yeah. No, you're not supposed to like him now. No. So, and well, the, wait a minute. And the thing is, if, I, if you wanted me to rewrite this, I absolutely would rewrite it along the lines of what you're talking about, that the two of them teach him everything he needs to be. And for me, both of them wind up going. And then have Barnett, like, run an interference, you know, with Freddie in some way <laughs> so that Freddie can't interrupt and that Nick can win over the crowd. I mean, there's things that you could do with Barnett in New York City that I think would have been a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, they're a team now and they're right. going to do it together. And uh, He could add some Tennessee parallel parking up in New York City. Yeah, because that's the thing is Freddie doesn't really, like Freddie's pretty on the up and up when it comes to this bet. Like he doesn't try to sabotage anything. He doesn't try to like fix it. I nope. mean, the crowd is obviously hostile, but they're always hostile. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, I mean, well, it's, one of the waitresses does say like he's really packed the crowd with, but it's like that doesn't seem that different than the other night. That, so it's like, yeah, you could have had it so that Freddie's like going to try and really, you know, the fix is in and yeah, then uh, Barnett comes up and, yeah, and saves the day. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because then Nick just goes up and there's some like false tension between him and Jake about like, he now he's like, I'm going to be a singer. And she's just like, well, you've only been doing this like a week. You're not, yeah. you're really not good. Like, don't, you shouldn't be <laughs> devoting your life to this. You're actually not that good. You've been programmed to do one song, basically. Yeah. It's like, save this conversation until after. You're just going to ruin his confidence. Yeah, it's just fake drama. 
And then she just goes to Freddie's apartment in Trump Tower as you It's in, perfect. In, I looked it up. Trump Tower was completed in 1983 and already in this movie in 1984 it's just shorthand for sleaze ball. <laughs> it took 1 year. <laughs> So I think that's, that was funny right there. When I saw when the tower was built, I was like, okay, that, that, that took no time at all. They probably were filming this when the tower was still being built, and yeah, they already knew. But it, it, I See, but at the time, do you really think it was shorthand for that? I think it was shorthand for Freddie's really rich, as he said. Everything's great when you're rich, kid. I drive this ridiculous, like, 1920s. I think, uh, I think it's like an Excalibur car. or something. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't look up what kind of car that was. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a cartoon. Like, he's a cartoon character. I know. But it, in today's environment, it was absolutely perfect. I mean, that was the first. I'm like, well. Oh, I know. And, and yeah, and watching this now with a character in Trump Tower being that kind of its lead yeah, is just like, oh, I guess it came with the building, apparently. Right, exactly. It's like Ghostbusters, right? That it was built on top of this portal oh, yeah. and that the building. <laughs> Has an energy. Apparently, that's what Trump Tower is. He lives in uh, Sleaze Central, or whatever, instead of Spook Central. Exactly. I forget the line exactly. But anyway, yeah, he wins over the crowd, and well, he, he rescues her from from Freddy's apartments. Yeah, but she didn't need rescuing. And no, she like, she definitely can handle herself. Yeah, so that's like, I, I don't know what the point of all that was, other than to like, it was to have him on a horse. Right. I, honestly, that's what I think it was. Yeah. With some amazing ADR. Like, obviously, a stuntman riding through Central Park, or not Central Park, uh, Times Square on a horse. Yep. And then just alone on on a microphone somewhere. It's like, he, it's like not even <laughs> subtle, you know? It's like, hey, what are you doing? My horse, what are you doing? Come on, let's go. <laughs> just, you can hear, like, the, you know, the microphone sounds. What, what I really wanted is I wanted all of a sudden Hercules in New York to get spliced in. Oh, yeah. I thought Vendor would be chasing him. <laughs> I thought Vendor chasing him, yes. Yeah. I, I enjoyed some of that sequence, even though there should have there needed to be more to it. He just gets on a horse and rides right. the Trump Tower and gets her, and they ride back. It's like, well, there, there's this needs to be like a big madcap finale, but it wasn't. There's nothing happening here nope. other than the Trump Tower guards just kind of not being <laughs> bothered by not, it. Not surprised in the least. <laughs> I have to think that it's not the case now. You can't just ride a neon horse into Trump Tower into the into the into the elevator. I don't and think the, you can. The Trump Tower guards will be fine with it. No, I think you're right. Secret Service may have something to say about that these days. In some ways, times haven't changed, but I think times have changed as far as that goes. Yes, that's, that's for sure. Well, Anyway, so yeah. Speak. And then he goes back and wins the crowd over, whatever. So I think this is a great time for the transition, speaking of times changing, for how technology might impact this movie. I agree. Let's do it. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? I should probably cut that down. I, that's a long one. It is a long one, but I enjoy it. Um, so this is another one that I struggled with, but I did get one good one. But I'm going to let you lead off, and hopefully you don't have the exact same one. Okay. Well, some of my stuff is technology-related, but just in general, I think this movie would be even more insufferable today. Because here's what, what I think it would be if you made this movie today. Oh, interesting. It would be get a million views on YouTube. Uh, you're right. That's what it would be. You're right. And it would I, just I wish I would have thought of that. Be that's all it. about, like... YouTube culture and just like, you know, like becoming a meme or whatever. Like, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Viral is the word I'm yeah, looking go for. Viral. It's going viral. Like, that would be all it would be about. Just like, we need to figure out how to make this go viral. And uh, you're right. But do you think that Jake could have just circumvented her contract anyway through YouTube? It, it would depend on the terms of the contract, I suppose. I don't yeah, know I if we know right. what the con- I mean, it seems like the movie is depicting it as you're only allowed to perform here. And he gets, that, like, the that, vast that, majority of the cut of the... Of you're right. You're, the, it definitely is portrayed that way, that she can't perform for money anywhere else. Right. So may, maybe it would be a thing where 
she would be able to make money on the side online. Because like now people can just like record an album basically in their in their apartment. You mean like us recording a podcast? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, we exactly. could use this equipment to record an album right now for sure. The talents may not be there. I was just going to say, I know I can't record an album. <laughs> um, I can, I'm sure a lot of listeners probably say we can't even record a the podcast. List, the listeners heard my terrible guitar playing uh, the, in the last uh, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, episode. the extravaganza, I believe, correct? No, it was the wrap-up or whatever it was. That's right. whatever, whatever episode I played guitar on. Yeah, I don't think I'm quite cutting it. That would be, I'd be the one. Like, I need to go through my two weeks of uh, going down to Nashville. <laughs> cowboy training? Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, and it would just be like all about going viral. And I think I think... If I'm remaking this movie today, set in 2018, I would have it so that in the end, Nick becomes a viral sensation, but because he's so bad. He's Tazon Day. Chocolate ah, Rain. Yes. He becomes that. And they win the bet saying, look, we got a million views. They back yeah, but it. everyone's laughing at you. It doesn't matter. You're right. They back into a win. Right. And then maybe he's still like, I'm going to get better. I know I'm terrible now, but I'm going to try to get better. See, to me, better. though, that that's more plausible than him winning over the crowd of him backing into it that... Mm-hmm. In the in the culture of liking loving ironic things, that he would become a sensation because of how terrible he is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right. I think that could have worked even in this movie. It was just like you know, the crowd loves him. He's so bad that <laughs> yeah. he's endearing. Yeah, right? they don't want to hear like a real sincere cowboy. You know. All right. So I didn't have that. Do you have anything else? No, that's pretty much it. All right. So I just uh, my question is: in the world of Uber, does this movie exist? That's a good point. Yeah, cabbies. I mean, the cabbie's still around, but if if a cabbie gets fired, or I guess he quits, right? He quits. So then what my question was is that so then would Nick decide to go into the family business because being a cabbie ain't what it used to be. But then I tumbled down a little bit even further because the funeral parlor business isn't what it used to be because cremations now I had to look this up. Oh, as of 2016, for the first time, more people are cremated than buried in the United States. That's an interesting fact. I didn't know that. I mean, it makes sense. In part because people are less religious, and in part because we're running out of cemetery space. It's like, so both I, of those factors, I would imagine, are driving that. Believe it or not, I think the cemetery space is okay. It's that they're, the cost is exceptionally sure, cheaper sure. for cremation. So even if Nick had a fallback, I think, I think Nick might have been in trouble in present day. Yeah, I guess that makes both, sense. Both, fam, both businesses that he was associated with might not exist. Well, he doesn't seem that interested in the funeral business, even though he can play the organ a little bit. <laughs> But yeah, other than that, I don't. He doesn't. At no point does he express interest in going into the family business. So no, but in the in the age of Uber, he might have well, had no choice. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is it seems like it seems to me now a cabbie who gets fired from his cabbie job just becomes an Uber driver and just rolls right into that. Probably assuming that he has a car that he can use. Maybe he doesn't own his own car, and then what's he going to do? It didn't seem like Nick owned his own car, right? Because I assume Uber drivers, they, you have to own your own car, right? They don't have, like, a fleet of cars that you could use if you don't well, or something like for, that. Well, for a period, I don't know if they still do, but for in the early days of Uber, I remember people were renting cars for, like, the weekend. They would just go rent, rent, oh, rent really? a car. Yes, because they could make so much. Just flip it. Yeah. Flip, flip that rental car. <laughs> exactly. And then. That's crazy. I think it was Lyft that initially teamed up with GM, and now GM, I know, is an investor in Lyft. But I think then for a while, Lyft had it where there was a fleet of GM cars that drivers could go get. I don't know if those programs are still in existence anymore because there's such a flood of people willing to use their own cars. I don't know if any of those programs, not that the rental car thing was a program, but I don't know if any of that stuff still goes on. Right. There's enough competition from people who own the cars. Exactly. Why would they ever need to? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean... There are still cabbies. I just, I, I think even in 1984, the idea that he would go along with this scheme just because he wants his own cab, even at the time this was made, 
Like, I don't know if that necessarily makes sense. I mean, it certainly doesn't make sense in the age of Uber. I agree. I, like, I think it's flimsy at best. The only other thing I had in this section of like how the movie changed today is, you know, like the whole like me too stuff, which we already kind of touched on. Like yeah. that obviously would not fly today. You make this movie today. That Freddy guy either can't exist or needs to get the worst comeuppance imaginable. Right. Otherwise there's no way this passes through the studio system. No, I mean, in and 2018, the, right. The thing is though, is that Dolly Parton's first movie, not it was not that it was necessarily, her, she was the star, but she was, you know, among them nine to five with Dabney Coleman. That, that was, that was like a formula. Back yeah, yeah. Then. yeah, it's true. I mean, I didn't think about that. I haven't seen that movie in forever, but yeah. I, and I'm sure there's other ones, but it was a formula because the transition of, you know, more women ascending as executives, but still having a significant glass ceiling. I, I think that that setup was there because it was more prominent, not to say that there was equality, but it was more prominent. And so that this setup was, I think, common in a lot of uh, comedies in, you know, the mid to late 80s. I need to rewatch 9 to 5, because that's the thing, like, that's just what that movie is about. Yep. It's about these women getting revenge on Dabney Coleman. Yep. I, I mean, it's been a long time since it's I've seen that. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But I seem to remember him getting it real bad. Like, he gets he gets some serious comeuppance <laughs> in that movie. Freddy gets nothing. And Freddy gets... Because it's, he's... It's almost like the makers of this movie didn't even think about it. It's not what this movie's about. No, they wanted to make a musical. Right. So, again, it's like... It's what I was saying earlier. It's like, that whole thing really is an anchor... It weighs this whole movie down. Like you make this movie light and fun and easygoing, I think it totally works. It's just a couple of elements, you know, and like some of the Tennessee stuff, whatever. There's a like fist fights, or whatever. It's all very kind of carto- cartoonishly oh, done. Sense. Yeah, but it, there is like this undercurrent of menace, weirdly, in that sequence in that bar. I mean, it ends up not being really a little not really bit, going anywhere. Yeah, but. that's the thing is, there's just not much to it. Yeah. All right, you want to move on to little details? The little details, what yeah. we do best. All right. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. <laughs> I need to set that to music. I don't like the fact that it's just a clip. Really? I just, <laughs> it just makes me laugh every time. Yeah, that's us. Uh, so uh, my first one we've already burned through. I, I just have Trump Tower, of course. Yeah. My favorite part of that Trump Tower scene, and I don't know... I don't know what's going on down there. There's like a bookstore in the lobby, which seems incredibly implausible to me. <laughs> You're right. I didn't think about that. The the guy who has never read a book, <laughs> Donald Trump, he's got a, he's got a bookstore. I got a book stand, I shouldn't say. It's not like a whole store, but it's just something, something like that, right? I'm sure they were selling Daniel Steele books. But one, it's one of my favorite moments in this movie. I have a list of like little moments that made me laugh. And in Trump Tower, I think, is the thing that I find the most funny, which is where he, I mean, it's a, it's a dumb gag where he's like, come to my funeral home, I'll show you my, I got a real big organ. Well, I got my organ. I mean, she's the one who turns it into a double entendre. He's like, yeah. oh, I got an organ and I can show you. And she's like, oh, yeah, you want to show me your big organ, right? He's like, I really do have a big organ. That stuff's whatever. It's not that funny. The guy who's at the book stand who turns and hears what they're saying, and he gives Stallone like, yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> that is great. That guy is the best. That guy is in the running for Hall of Fame background actors. <laughs> I, I want to put together, this, this is like one of my things. I was like, oh, yeah, we've had a few. But like, I, you know, not even just from our podcast, but just like in my mind as I watch movies, there's always been things that are just like, I need to put together a list. Good movies with bad soundtracks. It's one that's like, I need to put together a list. And this is one of them. I want a list of the best background actors in movie history. Don't have a line, but they just do something that's amazing. Do you have some off the top of your head? The ones that came to my mind as I was <coughs> thinking about it, 
the redheaded guy in Ghostbusters, uh, it's funny, about the same time, I didn't even realize, yep. but you know the guy I'm talking about? He's very prominent when they're pulling up to... In the crowd for the, the last kind of battle with Zool. He's got bright red hair, yeah, and he's wearing... we've talked a, about this guy. Okay, have we? Yep. And it, it turned out, like, back when IMDb had... Uh, yeah, he's, he's the one who goes, Ghostbusters! I mean, he's, All right! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but back when IMDb had message boards, there was a long thread about this guy. Like, Anyone ever notice this guy? And everyone's like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And then someone found him and pointed him at that thread, and he posted and said, hey, that's me. Like, he, he was a hairdresser. He still worked in Hollywood, but he was a hairdresser. <laughs> and, yeah, he was just like, this is amazing. He was, like, so excited. <laughs> like, people noticed him. Uh, as a side note, I miss the message boards from IMDb, but whatever. For things like that, I mean, there was a lot of reasons to hate them. Yeah, for things like that. Yeah, but for things like that, it was fantastic. What IMDb should have done is it should have had no message boards the first 10 years of movies out. Once it hits 10 years, message boards unlock. Yep. That way you don't have to deal with all the crazies. You're probably right. That's probably the best way to do it. 10 years later, no one cares. No one's arguing about the Phantom Menace anymore. People have moved on to other Star things, Wars things. Yeah, to hate on. Exactly. You know what I mean? So just like, let people calm down. Yeah. And then people can have a, a rational conversation about Ghostbusters or, you know, about a 10-year-old movie. Anyway, my, my other Hall of Fame background extras that I, that I thought of, I'm sure there are more. The guy in Teen Wolf who unzips his fly in the, the end of the basketball that game. That is a good one. That guy obviously has to be on it. I mean, there's there were urban legends about, like, he really went full bore with it. She's <laughs> like, he does, he does. And he just unzips his fly. You can see his underwear. Um, the dancing new wave guy in Terminator. Remember him? With the, that, at Tech Noir. Yeah, that Tech guy Noir. is awesome. With the sleeveless shirt. That guy, that was one of our points that we, we belabored on the Terminator episode. <laughs> I just find him so distracting. So, yeah, I was glad. Oh, he's a, great. An outlet to talk about him. Yes. Uh, I've always noticed that guy. I was just like, that guy is so distracting. And then uh, another, uh, there's a kid in North by Northwest who covers his ears. There's a scene where someone gets shot. Yeah. And it was obviously like the third take or something. And so this kid in the background covers his ears because he's, he's waiting for the gun to go off. Gotcha. So it, he totally, if you're looking for him, he totally you know, spoils that someone's about to get he's shot. shot. Um, all right. But those are the ones I could think of. That's some good ones. I want to, I, I want to put together we'll a Hall of to, Fame. I'll of, have to try and think if, of, of any, if I've got any of, of background, because I know we've discussed some that are, that are great. Yeah. I feel like there are definitely some. We'd be like, oh, of course. How could I forget that? But yeah. It kind of reminds me, although he has a line, but when you pointed out when we did Jingle All the Way to, so many bears. <laughs> right. That guy's <laughs> face is priceless. Yeah, that's in the ballpark. Like, that guy's not a character in the movie. He's just no. some, some guy in the crowd, but <laughs> so many bears. He does have a line. Well, technically, the redheaded guy in Ghostbusters yeah, is a line, line but yeah. it's not his voice. Yeah. They dubbed it. They only put that line in because he was so prominent. <laughs> like, look at that guy. He's saying Ghostbusters, yeah. We guess we got to put someone, a voice in of somebody <laughs> yelling Ghostbusters, yeah. All right. So my, my first one, other than Trump Tower, apparently, in order to sing country, you need to be able, be able to walk like a cowboy <laughs> yeah. yep. and chop wood. So here's my question for you. Was the wood really... a just a chore that Jake and Noah didn't want to do? And if so, are there other chores that we don't see that got pawned off on Nick? Are you jumping into your questions? Was, well, I, I was, I, this was kind of a little bit of both. This okay. was a little detail of him chopping wood. It's clear that Jake's father, whose name we never learned, Jake's father... No, you do learn it, but I, I, I didn't okay. write it down. Yeah, you, you do get it. He was in the credits as Jake's father. That's, really? Yeah. So I, I thought I'm not we sure. got the name, but okay. Maybe, maybe I missed it. It's clear that he is perfectly willing to take advantage of Nick in the case of trying to pawn off his... Uh, his, his chores. His, well, his clothes. Well, that too, yeah. I'm saying like that's, that proves that he's perfectly happy to screw over Nick. So yeah, I think you're probably right. I think he's just trying to... He didn't want to do the work. This whole thing is a con. It's like, yeah, we'll teach you how to be a country singer. Cowboy. You're, you're, this, you got to cowboy up. You got to chop wood. Yeah, that, that could have been a much more interesting premise than the actual premise of just like, oh no, there's no bet. What are you talking about? <laughs> 
Oh. <laughs> we just wanted to scam you. Yeah, we just wanted a servant for two weeks. Now you can head back to New York, and we'll find some other sap to do it for the next two weeks. They just got, like, free farmhands for the entire year. This is just what they do. All right, what else? What have you got? I've got some more, but I want to hear from you. I want to talk about the scene where Jake and Nick meet. Can I just read you my notes? These yeah. are my notes from as I was watching the movie. Okay. All right. So J- for, it's Jake and Freddie, and they're on the streets. And they're trying to find someone who will be the the, yeah. the test, test pick, subject. He picks two homeless guys to start. Yeah, I, that's that's a. I mean, I, I kind of like the guy with the drumsticks <laughs> drumming on the streets, but yeah, that's a little. Uh, it fits Freddie. Yeah, but anyway, but Jake doesn't want the homeless guys. So he goes. So here's line for line. All right, the next normal person that comes by, I'll take him. The next one, and I mean the next guy that passes in front of my face. Anybody, it's just like okay, we get it. And then I have. Off-screen screeching tires sound. Off-screen car horn sound. Off-screen car crash sound. Taxi cab drives into frame. Taxi cab careens up onto the curb. Off-screen rolling hubcap sound. Ja- I miss the rolling hubcap. Yeah, there's definitely a sound of a hubcap rolling away. Japanese passengers silently mime panic. Stallone dr- jumps out of the cab. Stallone shouts incoherently. Stallone stares at Dolly Parton's rack. Stallone jumps back into cab. Taxi cab drives away. That's their first meeting. That's this is their meet cute for this movie. It's just like he crashes. We learn later because he saw her and just like whoa <laughs> crashes. Just yes. goes oh, and then just drives tries to drive away. Doesn't actually make it. But it's like this is the way we're introducing this romantic couple, which we didn't even talk about in the plot summary that they fall in love or some whatever. Yeah, that's <laughs> by the way stupid. By the way, by the way, they fall in love because of course they do. I mean, whatever. It's that's the kind of movie it is. Of course, they're gonna fall in love. Yes, but it's also that is a when you really write it out and read it, that is absurd. <laughs> it's the most absurd way for them to meet. I do actually enjoy it, and I didn't take a note about it. But the, the the homeless guy drumming on the street, I like him running in terror. He's out of frame in the background. Yeah. He's just like, whoa! I gotta get out of here. Yeah. So, did you notice the amount of time it takes Jake to get to Trump Tower on the horse? You mean? No, not not Nick. Jake. Oh, Jake. So they they meet. See, I'm still confused. So she's at the club, and she tells the waitress, you know, that that she's friends with. Right. You know, I'm I'm just I'm just going to go through with it. And she's loaning money to her, also. By the yeah, way. she's loaning money to her. But the club is totally empty, right? And so you got to assume it's pretty early because it seems like this bet is happening. He's going to go up on stage like at ten o'clock or something. Yeah, maybe the bar isn't opened yet or something. Yeah. Right. So the bar isn't open. So what my point is is that Jake is gone. She says she's going there. Now, I guess she could have went somewhere else in the interim, but she's just like getting to his apartment when Nick is about to go on stage, and then he's, oh, I got to go get on this horse and go save her. Oh. How far away is Trump Tower? Well, not too far, because he jumps on his horse and <laughs> gets there pretty fast. My point is, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, does she say she's going right there? I was, it seems like it, yeah. Yeah, and then, because when Nick is there, the place is jammed. Yeah, it's true. So it's pretty clear a lot. A lot of time. A lot of time. Well, maybe maybe uh, Jake spent a lot of time at Freddy's and we skipped over it. It We had a very long talk about uh, how the way that he was behaving is inappropriate. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like maybe they had a whole discussion, like a six-hour discussion. Could be, but I doubt it. Yeah, I mean, certainly she shouldn't be alone in this guy's apartment. Not not for a long for a long period of time. Yeah, I mean, she's. But I would. I do you have anything on the horse sequence? Because I certainly do. I mean, I enjoyed it, and I, I. the part that I enjoyed was him stealing the guy's horse. You mean the neon cowboy? The neon cowboy who was at McDonald's. He was at McDonald's. <laughs> That's my favorite part. I don't know where my notes is. I think I think I have 
my note is something like Stallone steals the neon horse from the neon cowboy who was getting neon McDonald's. <laughs> That's what I yeah. want. I want to know what he was ordering at McDonald's. Yeah, I don't know. Well, he doesn't come out with anything, so nope. he must have still been in line. I well, the, the part about that sequence that I enjoy and I think is kind of funny is they play the William Tell overture, yeah. you know, and. It plays the opening part like four times because he's struggling to get on the horse and it's like it's spinning Going in around circles. circles. Yep. Yeah, and it's just like that's funny. It is. That's a you know. There's a lot of little funny things like that. And then, did you happen to have the movie marquees? Because it is. I do. Let me find it. It's still so crazy to me to see New York City to to know what New York is today. Yeah, and how much has changed from you know definitely the seventies, but even the eighties, right? How much has changed when the prominent marquee he's riding past is "Talk to Me Dirty." Two. Well, no, it's part one. That's what I have. Oh, I had that it was part two. I thought it said part one. All right, maybe because <laughs> that was my notice. Something about like part one. That's really presumptuous. You're really counting on this to be a long series. For some series. reason, I thought that there was a uh, two two hashes after it, but maybe I'm wrong. All I right. only saw one. But All either right. either way, I mean, yeah, that's just like. I was like, why shoot on that street? Why decide this is the street we're going to shoot this scene on? Just see all the porno theaters just lining the streets. It's distracting. I mean, there's yeah. no question about it. You're looking back, they're like, whoa. Well, I mean, time, Times Square was a lot different. Oh, no question about it. 30-some years ago, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they could have played that up. I mean, it, I guess the movie more or less is a family comedy, although it really gets ribald in a lot of spots. Yeah. Um, I, did, I did enjoy... When Dolly Parton is teaching Stallone how to walk like a cowboy, she goes, stop bouncing up and down so much. Look who's talking. <laughs> you know, there's, right. there's a couple of jokes that Dolly Parton's, you know, about Looks Dolly like Parton's. he's got jock itch. <laughs> right. That, man, this movie is obsessed with jock yes, itch. Yes, it is. You ever had jock itch? Remember how it feels? You just walk like you got jock itch. And then he walks on stage like 10 minutes later and That's he's got guy. jock itch. Yeah, it looks like he's got <laughs> jock itch. That guy made me laugh for some reason. I guess these cowboys' personal hygiene leaves a lot to be desired. Apparently it's not so. above reproach. No, it is not. <laughs> so the only other thing I had on the horse sequence is I, it's just a wish of mine to have something along the line of my horses getting tired would have been fantastic Yeah, <laughs> for us and our podcast. I mean, obviously, you can't reference that movie yet, but right. uh, yeah, for sure. I scrolled down to find my there, – there, there was an actual real movie marquee with real movies. So I don't know if you, you want those. I do have I, those. I think that was a real movie. Oh, it was obviously a real movie. Yeah. But I'm saying I'm saying there was a, a regular movie oh, theater, a, not a, porn. A, a wide release. He passes a different, yeah. So the the right stuff is filmed in 83. So okay. I don't yeah. know when these movies came out. But the right stuff, to be or not to be, the one with Mel Brooks, not the old one. DC Cab. Are you serious? <laughs> DC Cab is one. Oh, that, that's actually perfect. Because he, he makes a Mr. T reference, like a joke. Because Freddy's got a weird, like, giant peacock statue. Yep. And it's got, like, I don't know what, what those things are, but it looks like a mohawk. And he goes, oh, I love you in the A-team. Yep. So, again, Stallone referencing. I mean, it's not, he's not technically referencing his own stuff, but he basically discovered Mr. T. So he's kind of referencing Rocky Three in a little a roundabout way. Yep. So, once again, Stallone can't help but reference his own movies. Um, anyway, Man Who Loved Women is a movie on the marquee. I have no idea. I didn't look it up. I should have. I assume that's a, a mainstream movie and not. A porno thing that snuck into a mainstream <laughs> theater. And then a movie called Two of a Kind. So I don't know what those last two are. A lot of garbage. That's, uh, that's it for me on the little details. Did you have anything else on this I, one? I just mostly have a list of moments, just little moments that I found funny. Let me All find right. them. I mean, Elgart, for the one thing, his song near the beginning about the tractor and all that, that's hilarious. Uh, so, yeah, that, that I, guy's awesome. That guy is awesome, but at the same time, 
he he projects this like he's gonna kill anybody in the audience. So what a way to win over the audience! <laughs> he bends the, the yes, mic stand. He bends it, and then there is a perfectly working microphone right back in frame right after that. Well, he probably had an extra mic stand. That's his bending mic stand. He prob- this here's my bending mic stand he probably, to show you all how tough I am. He probably had another mic stand. That's your explanation. I think so. He's the only singer in this band. Like they have to be set up for multiple. Like you know, if another band comes on and they've got three singers, they need multiple mic stands. He probably just bent the spare one. So I, that's I, the hill you're going to die on. There shouldn't have been two mic stands. <laughs> this movie has more problems than an extra mic stand. I enjoyed that. I think that's funny. I enjoyed his performance. Okay, just moments that I, I enjoyed, or just lines that I enjoyed. I liked when Nick gives his first performance down in uh, Tennessee. Tennessee, and Jake's father just comes up to him. That was scary, son. <laughs> Something about that line. <laughs> that really made me laugh. That was scary, son. Nick's dad, when he meets Dolly Parton, she goes, howdy. And Nick goes, that means hello. I know what howdy means. I read. <laughs> That's a funny line. Really? I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I didn't like anything about Nick's dad or um, his parents in general. For the most part, I agree. Yeah, they're just Italian stereotypes. It's a tired Italian stereotype. <laughs> I, wrote, I am. I am. I know it. <laughs> I wrote down at one point in my notes, Italian gestures dot gif. <laughs> that's, just, that's great but, you know they're just speaking in italian and just doing like gestures yes, you're right yeah they're, they're very much stereotypes hog balls that was funny you want to go see the hog balls yeah oh no i've had enough excitement for one day <laughs> that's good there's a lot of funny lines in this movie it's okay it's it drags the movie up to okay oh this is a horse i had a feeling that's a funny line <laughs> i enjoyed that are you serious <laughs> that's funny it's, you know it's sarcastic i enjoyed it What's it like to take heroin? I already mentioned that. That one is one of my favorites. Uh, okay, walking like a country boy. I mentioned we darted off with the jock itch, yeah. but I liked him making fun of her, like because she goes like, "You got to put a little dip in your hip, a little cut in your stride, a little pride in your stride." And he goes, "Okay, I'll try. I'll put a little grin in my shin, a little flea in my knee, a little charm in my arm." <laughs> That's good. That is pretty good. I, see, there's, there's there's good stuff. I also noted anytime I heard a line that sounded like it could be the title of a country song, I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> you want this list? Let's hear it. Um, forget here, I'd rather be home. That's a country song. Yeah. Where are all the lepers when I need one? <laughs> they don't call him Fu for nothing. That is great. Um, uh, I'll skip down. I'll, I'll, I'll skip a lot of these. Uh, I'm not a rhinestone laundry bag. <laughs> I like having you around for inspirational reasons. <laughs> that actually would be one. You're right. <laughs> May your mother sleep with the angels. Okay. <laughs> I like that moment where he realized that a funeral's in progress and <laughs> yes. he's playing the organ. And then finally, I'm lying in the mud looking at a duck. I'm lying in the mud looking at a duck. And in particular, since the uh, there was a duck on the shirt of, I don't even know who was. Oh, yeah. I don't uh, remember that character's name. I've got his name somewhere. Elgar, right? Elgar, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's two duck jokes. I didn't even realize that. Oh, it's time to get serious. How serious could he be? He's got a duck on He's his got shirt. A duck on his shirt. Though that crowd really rubbed me the wrong way in so many ways. It's just like just a bunch of a holes. Well, let's let's get to that because uh, I, I actually have that in our next segment. I'd like to talk about uh, in the devil. You got advocate. some questions about the crowd. I have some questions about the crowd. Let's move on to questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. All right, let's talk about this crowd. All, All right. right. Here's what I want to understand. What type of crowd only comes to mock and heckle amateur performers 
And if that's your form of relaxation, you better be really funny or witty with your heckles. And they are not <laughs> totally at there. all. I agree with you there. And this is coming from a guy. I take pride that in my younger days going to sporting events, I really put some effort and time into my heckles. Okay, at least you acknowledge that because that, that was literally what I was about to bring up. Is I was going to, you know, you can call me out. I mean, I, I, I won't go so far as a hypocrite, but you would go to DePaul games just to heckle the team. It's like that's different. That's a sport. If, you know, if you're a fan of the team and you're upset at how the team is performing. Yes, and it was also I was really going against the coaches, particularly opposing coaches, yeah. and somewhat the rest. But what my point you is, you want to voice your displeasure about your team not being good, whereas going to a country bar, right, seeing it, people you've never heard of and heckling them, yeah, yeah, it, that, that's it's, just an, it, a whole thing. To you're do. just being a jerk. But here's the thing: is that if you're going to be it. You better put some time in, and you better be really good at heckling, and they're all terrible. I couldn't agree more. They're, they're terrible hecklers. Duck on his shirt is probably the best one. That's really saying, yeah. that's really showing how bad their heckles are. And let me, let Duck me, on his shirt. And wh- how twisted are they? I mean, I understand it's for comedic purposes, the lyrics in the song, but they are laughing maniacally about a song about industrial accidents. Yeah. Well, but they think it's the funniest thing in the world. I think it's the funniest thing in the world, also. So I, I'm with them there. I mean, the, the acting from that crowd is so terrible. They're just like their fake laughter is so oh, bad. <laughs> but, but let, let's ex- slapping their knees literally. I want to, and I extrapolated it out a step further because even down in Tennessee in Leaper's Fork. That crowd is full of hecklers. That's true. Are there? Is there well, the hecklers are on stage down there. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> it is a bit of a roast. The singers heckle the crowd <laughs> in Russia, <laughs> Soviet Russia. So it's a little bit. So what you. you're saying is Nick is a little bit like Larry David. That he he's the comedian's. Larry David was the comedian's comedian, right? That if a heckler was there, and that the legend of Larry David was. He was up there really performing for himself and other comedians, not the crowd who didn't get his jokes, and he would just tear into the crowd. That's what Nick is, right? That they don't get his music, and he's just tearing into them, right? I mean, kind of, but uh, I think in that case, I assume Larry David didn't actually know the person. No, <laughs> like, he didn't. People weren't going, that's that's that guy, all right? Um, no, I, my answer has to do with what I was saying earlier about kind of I was expecting this to be more slobs versus snobs. Like, they're snobs. Like, I, think, I think they do just go there to mock country music. But, but they think the, that's funny. You're right at the rhinestone, but my point is, is it's down in Tennessee is the same thing. I'm, my question to you is, I don't know if the crowd's really heckling the band down in Tennessee. Even, it, she even says, like, oh, it was my friends looked, and family. There. It looks like he's got jock itch. Sure. But they say that privately to themselves. They aren't shouting it at the stage. He, does, he doesn't get heckled down there. I think he gets heckled down there. It's not as bad. But my question is. Also, that could be a compliment because everyone was t- telling him to walk like he has jock itch. If that guy's like, he looks like he's got jock itch. Like, <laughs> that's, that's like the highest compliment in Tennessee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was my main one. I've got a but, couple of others. But you don't think it's plausible that these guys actually are going there because they think it's funny to heckle these, you know, these yokels? I think that's the idea, is that they don't actually like country music. Well, that's my question. Does anybody actually go to these bars to enjoy country music? I mean, in the real world, world I'm sure. I'm sure there are plenty of people in yeah. New York City who enjoy country music and go to a, a country bar and not mock it, would actually like, go to enjoy the music. Yeah, really enjoy the music. But in this world, yeah, I think they're just, they're only there to mock it. Apparently so. So I think that that could have been another way to take it in terms of like, you know what I was thinking about weirdly uh, is the end of Saturday Night Fever. I don't know if you've seen okay. Saturday Night Fever. But it's been a long time. At the end of Saturday Night Fever, Tony Monero is in a dance contest and it's in his neighborhood, like the Italian neighborhood of uh, Brooklyn or Queens. I was trying, I think it's Brooklyn. I think it's Brooklyn. But it's in an Italian neighborhood and they're in a, they're in a dance contest and then there's a Puerto Rican couple who's also in the contest. 
And while while they're dancing, he's going like, wow, those guys are great. They're really good. And then he and his partner win, and he goes like, we only won because it's an Italian neighborhood, and we're, right. you know, it's like they did, didn't want to vote for the point because that movie is full of like, you know, depicting the racism of that world, et cetera. Yeah. And he kind of comes to this realization of just like, oh, they should have won. And he gives the trophy to them. It's actually kind of a funny moment. They're like, what are you giving me this for? But anyway, I was thinking about that. And that's kind of how Rhinestone should have ended in that. It's like, hey, here's this New York guy. We're going to embrace him. And, you know, Nick going like, you're only cheering for me because I'm not, because you, you enjoy making fun of these yokels. Right. How dare you? You know, I've, I've learned that they're, you know, good people. Right. That's a way they could have taken this. They win the competition because, hey, he's a New Yorker, hey, you know, but then Nick realizes how hollow it is. Yeah, like, I hadn't thought about that. It's a way to take it. It's just like this, this, the way this movie takes that, the way the movie depicts that whole place, it just ends up being the most, ho- like, the movie is hollow and the movie is just very kind of two-dimensional in terms of like, he won them over. He's so great. <laughs> he's so charismatic. Yeah, he just with his bravado. Because he does, he, like, he's, he's going to sing it the way she taught him. He's like, the hell with this. I'm going to rock out and do it my way. And yeah. So I guess that kind of is what happens. There's just no self-awareness at the end for him to realize, like, oh, this isn't as earned as I thought. And maybe I'm not as good as I thought, and I need to work harder at it. Like, that's, <laughs> the movie would have benefited a lot from just a very brief moment <laughs> of that. Acknowledge that Stallone can't sing. Please, we can all see it. It, you're not the emperor has no clothes just gonna, <laughs> you just hit the nail on that <laughs> okay sorry i've cut you off that's all right so yeah uh let me let me give you one of my questions all right. so um, okay here's one when jake and nick and freddie all meet and freddie says that guy he's gonna be the one you're gonna train why didn't he pick the japanese guy oh that would have been much harder <laughs> that guy doesn't really speak much english no and not only that you don't know how long he was his trip here was four. That's right. So what if he had to leave before <laughs> she literally said the next guy and he could have said, well, either one of these two could have been, she says guy I, for, for whatever reason, it needs to be a man. It seems like for this bet to, this is like the terms of the bet. I don't know why. Yeah, of course, because uh, well, she needed to fall in love, right? The movie needs to, there to be yeah. a romance, but, uh, you know, if the terms of the bet are the next man I see, he could have just pointed at uh, the passengers You're and right. be like, you're, Turn you're, him into a country star. You're absolutely right. You know, I don't. I don't have a good response. And I, I think, <laughs> other than it wouldn't have been a movie. Well, I mean, you could, it would have been a very different movie. You could have cast uh, Long Duck Dong. That whoever plays what's the, what's that actor's name played Long Duck Dong? I don't remember. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Even that's the name of that character from uh, yeah. Sixteen Candles. One, Candles. one of those movies. Yeah, I think Sixteen Candles. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I apologize, but that's the character's name. That's <laughs> actually, cast that guy. That's a great question. There's no reason that it had to be the cabbie. I'm just saying, like strategically, if you want to win this bet, that's the move. Well, that's how you know Freddie. Just he 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 thinks that it's impossible to do it in two weeks. That the rhinestone will chew anybody up, so it doesn't matter. But the thing is, they don't know anything about this cabbie. Maybe he's a great singer. He, I mean, the thing is, this is like the height of Stallone as like a sex symbol. It's like. It, she could have done a lot worse. Like she could have just relied on. I mean, she kind of does kind of rely on. Well, that's that's his, how he his wins it. Physicality, yeah. yeah. So yeah, like <laughs> she could have done so much worse than uh, Stallone. But anyway, yeah. I just, so you're was, saying if like John Candy was the cab driver, that she would have been in trouble? Yeah, I don't know, or just like a 90 year old man, or just like or, I, I don't know. But I, I don't know. I mean, whatever. Freddie Freddie was he was so sure of himself that even as good looking as Stallone was, he was the pick. I, honestly, if I was Freddie, I would be a little suspicious. 
Like you, you ended up with a pretty good you know, yeah. roll of the dice here. But you know what? Based on our earlier discussion of how bad the odds are, that's actually probably fair that she, you know, he would say, "All right, well, of course." But this th- isn't a guy who is fair. He's he's going to want to make right. the odds as long as possible. You're right. Anyway, that was my question. That's a good question. You got anything else? Uh, I do. So I want to know how big do you think Leaper's Fork is? Because it looks like it's pretty small, but apparently buses from New York City make a specific stop in Leaper's Fork. That's a good point. I didn't think about the, so how, the bus ones right yeah, there. Yeah, so how big do you think this place is? And do you think that well, that axe murderer, do you think he's just been in hiding from, like, New York? <laughs> well, I mean, that guy probably, he's on a country road way outside of town, so I don't think he lives in Leaper's Fork. All right. I would say the town is, I would say, like, 600 Something like that. Yeah, so there's no reason a bus should be stopping Well, it could just be one stop. You know, that could be a bus that just goes from town to town and stops at every town. It's not like there's a bus depot or anything. It's just a stop. Yeah, I didn't see if, like, on the front, you know, it first said New York City. It it doesn't make sense that that's the same bus that came from New York City. (laughs) Well, sure. That's just a movie thing of, like, they're coming from New York City. See, it's on the bus. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe they chartered it themselves. Well, no, Freddie says spare no expense, Fred. I'll spare no expense. And he, all your all oh, your expenses are so paid. So she's just going to run up a bill? She, yeah, she's going to run up a bill. It's like Brewster's <laughs> Millions. I mean, why a bus in that case? They could have gone yeah, exactly. exile. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. I mean, it, it does look like a back lot. It looks like fake country oh, town. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It looks like somewhere on a Hollywood set somewhere. But the point is, it's it's a small town in Tennessee. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. It's not. This is a town that's treating Nashville like it's... Because he goes, like, I'm from the big city. He goes, Nashville? Or was it Nashville or was it somewhere else? Might have been somewhere else. No, I think it was Nashville. Nashville, okay. Yeah. So, like, yeah, obviously, this is not. It'll be like, Nashville or Knoxville. Are those both in Tennessee? Boy. Yes. <laughs> okay. Knoxville's the capital. Okay, yes. Uh, it's been a long Memphis time. Memphis is in Tennessee as well. But yeah. Well, he doesn't say in Memphis. No, he sure. does, definitely does not say that. All but right. Yeah, I mean, so the point is, is that I, I have a valid point. There's no way a bus was going from New York City. No, but I'm saying that bar seems like it's outside of town. So if he had said, I'm from the city. If that was a sizable town, he would have assumed he would meant Leaper's Fork, whatever. Leaper's Fork? Leaper's Fork. Okay. Yes. All right. You got any other uh, devil's advocate for me? I do. Oh, all right. Excellent. Why does this talent scout keep coming to the rhinestone week after week? Oh, man. I should have written that one down. <laughs> is that, it, it, Why, Freddy's I, got something on him. He's got that's some kind what, of uh, that's doing what, him a favor. That's what it must be is that he, he does have something on him. Because it's clear he doesn't want to be there. And that all he's going to witness is get... Another future talent to get torn into by these bad hecklers. Right. But what's funny is the one time he should be there, he's not there. Oh, yeah, he's not there. He's not there for Stallone. Wow, he should be there. I didn't even think about that. You're right. The movie should have ended like the Blues Brothers. I'm here to give you a contract here. Give the money to the band. But he wasn't there. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even realize he never comes back. Nope. A ton of characters never, came, never come back. You the Axe Murderer. <laughs> well, that's a one-scene guy, but... Uh, that would have been great if he was in the crowd. Like well, the, he's he, he's basically like uh, 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 what's his name in the Adam Sandler's movie? You can do it, uh, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. He's the Rob Schneider. He shows up in the crowd. You can do it. <laughs> you didn't get in, but I'm rooting for you. Yeah. So it would be a good question. Do you think that maybe early on he that record producer had signed somebody and. So it was like a big break. It was one of the first successful ones he signed, and then he feels like an obligation to keep coming back. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it was like 
He found a diamond in the rough there is what you're saying. Right. Yeah, kind of sort like, of like Jake, but that Jake didn't have this ridiculous contract. Well, you know what, too, though? Maybe the reason he keeps coming back is because of Jake, is that he wants to keep staying in front of Jake for when that contract burns off to sign her. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that probably the it. logical reason why he keeps showing up. Yeah, because he does make overtures right, in terms the, of like signing her. As soon as you can get rid of this loser, basically. Yeah, yeah that may be why. I mean, yeah. that, that's the other thing. Her character, like her success is not an issue with this movie at all. The movie does not care whether Jake is a successful country star or not. Nope. Does not matter to the movie. All the movie cares about is whether Nick is successful. It's like, what happens to her career? I mean, she yes, she got out of the contract, but we have no sense of, like, she is obviously the more talented of the two of them. Like, it's clear, you know, she's Dolly Parton and he's Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> so it's like. It's, it should give you an indication, but I, I think... There's a presumption that she'll be successful. Right. I think you, it's safe to assume that she'll be successful. But the movie just doesn't care. I mean, we're left to infer all of it. You're right, but I think you can infer that she would go and seek out... At worst case scenario, she'd seek out that producer. I mean, yeah, it's reasonable to assume. But I would have liked to have a little, just a beat, like one moment of just like, now I can live my dream. <laughs> you know, I, think that, I think that would be fair. I don't know. You got anything else? I got a couple No, of that's all that I had on my... Uh, Devil's Advocate. Okay, I have a question for you, and it's, why do cowboys always throw their hat down when they're mad? You, those, are very, <laughs> those are pretty pricey hats. Happens they are, all very, the time. very much so, you're right. I only bring it up because I want a supercut of every time a TV or movie cowboy goes, concern it, and throws his hat down on the ground. Yeah, I always find it funny. That neon cowboy, he was not happy his horse. And that's a neon hat, it's got like electronics <laughs> in it and stuff. There's a lot of value in that hat. Yeah, for sure. That is an excellent question. Yeah. I only bring it up because, like I said, I want a supercut. Oh, it, I looked for one. I was like, is there one on YouTube? And like, I couldn't find one, so maybe I'd need to do it myself. Okay, my last question for you. All right. I'm sure you noticed it. The skeleton t-shirt returns. Uh, from This Is Spinal Tap. From This Is Spinal Tap and The Terminator. Oh, yeah, I forgot There's about The Terminator. There's a guy Terminator. in The Terminator wearing it, yes. and we were speculating that this shirt must have been big in 1984. It, it had to have been. Guess what? It's 1984. So for the third time, we, in three movies from 1984, people are wearing skeleton shirts. I was just going to say, we we need to do some internet research to try and find if there was something like the smiley face when it, you know, when it caught on, right? right. What was happening that the uh, anatomically correct shirt... Right, because there's a joke in this movie, right? I don't remember who... I don't someone, remember I, I think Barnett cracks a joke about his shirt. Yeah. Um, but my question is... All right. Because you're a t-shirt guy. I don't wear a yeah. lot of t-shirts, but you're, you wear a lot of t-shirts for the first time in <laughs> a long time I've seen you without that a t-shirt. I'm recording on. without one, yes. Um, but my question is, would you wear that t-shirt if it became available? Keeping in mind that it is a sleeveless shirt, and that's kind of inherent in this shirt i don't um, i don't see you wearing sleeveless shirts i generally do not but because it's become so prevalent in the mo- some of the movies that we've covered and one you know one that we haven't covered that i really enjoy in spinal tab i may have to seek one out <laughs> okay i'm sure they're available somewhere to pay pay tribute to uh, 1984 this is the third movie we've seen them in you get the green from spinal tap because i think I, that that's the one i have to go i with. think in all three movies it's a different color because it this is. one it's like orange yeah no I, i'd have to go with the spinal tap okay yeah, i agree if you're gonna get one it should be the green one uh, you can't beat nigel tough um, what is it in terminator is it just black and white i think it's black and white in terminator yeah i think so too yeah. okay all well, right, those are so all my questions now uh one of my favorites and i'm hoping you got a good one on this this is the <laughs> silk cozart memorial corner both of y'all yes yeah, <laughs> The Silk Cozart Memorial Internet Research Corner, to be clear. This is is where I take a... Well, just to explain the the, the segment. Hence the dial-up modem in the the intro. This is where I take a deep deep dive into some tangential, relatively tangential uh, internet research. I can't wait to hear the thread you found on this one. So the thing I decided to look into, because I didn't know much about it, I wanted to learn more about Dollywood. 
And I learned oh. a whole lot about Dollywood. Here, I'll be interested to learn. Here's a fact for you before you start. Okay. I have been to Dollywood. Really? Yes. Oh, when was this? So a family vacation, maybe five years ago, we went down to oh, the national park there, the, the uh, Smoky Mountains. So we did the national park. Uh, we did Dollywood. And then I'm trying to think of the city there. Gatlinburg, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Okay. Gatlinburg is actually really cool. It had, unfortunately, a, a, a fire two or three years ago now that a lot of the stuff, unfortunately, got d- destroyed yeah, in that it was fire. Yeah, 2016. Yeah, 2016. All right, so so go yeah. ahead. But I I have been to Dollywood. Only was the it, water was, park. Only the water park. Oh, okay. It was outrageously hot when we were there. <laughs> okay, well, that's and a so good place o- to go, I guess. Yes, and we only did the water park. Oh, I was going to guess because uh, Jen, is, well, uh, your wife, she's into amusement parks, right? Like she's waiting. She likes amusement parks. Actually, you know, the reason that we went is that she had uh, family friends that worked there, and it was tickets for free. So oh, we were on, nice yeah, we, we were already doing like a lot of stuff and running up a pretty big bill, because there is a lot of stuff to do, believe it or not, in Gatlinburg. Oh, sure. I, well, Gatlinburg, but in particular, uh, Dollywood, because I got a whole list here. Yes. So that was, yeah, so we've been there, but only the water park. So I, I want to learn some about Dollywood that well, I'm sure that I didn't know going to Dollywood. Unfortunately, I have nothing on the water park. I ignored the water park. So That's all right. I, I, was, I wish you had gone to the main park, because I wanted to ask you your opinions on these rides because I, I, unfortunately i did not ride any of them okay well i had this impression that it was just like a little like a knott's Berry farm kind of a small thing with like hay bales and like dolly parton cult of personality th- yep. things i really didn't expect it to be when i started looking i was like whoa this is like a huge like six flags it's six scale flags. yep i had no idea so i was looking i was just reading some of the descriptions and i found the descriptions that they wrote for the rides kind of hilarious all right i don't know if this will actually be funny or if it's just funny to me but like i just loved their their attempt to make everything as down home and countrified as possible this will be good so anyway so let me run through some of the rides so there's the thunderhead which is our wooden roller coaster and these are the descriptions from the dollywood uh, website all right an old sawmill once moved lumber out of the mountains at thunderhead gap Wood is still the focus, but now the operation known as Thunderhead is the wildest ride in the woods. <laughs> the way that they try to like give backstories, yeah, backstory to the, the ride—that is great. So it, I mean, it's it's kind of adorable and kind of laughable at the same time. Like, I don't know whether to laugh at it or with it. Yeah, but it's like, why? I don't need a backstory. I just want to go on a yeah, ride. Yeah, I just want to go on the ride. Anyway, so Mystery Mine is next. A mine cart coaster. What if there was no light at the end of the tunnel? Find out on Dollywood's Mystery Mine. <laughs> Register trademark. <laughs> a steel coaster where a 1,811-foot track travels through an abandoned coal mine. I don't care how long the track is. I don't yeah. know why they care about that. Tennessee Tornado. I really enjoyed this one. This is a steel roller coaster. What happens when a mighty twister sweeps through an old Tennessee mining company? Locals say the swirling winds twisted the ore into what we now call the Tennessee Tornado. <laughs> so a tornado built the roller coaster. A tornado coaster. built the roller coaster. I would not ride a, torne- a roller coaster built by a tornado. I, I don't would think it would be either. safe. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust it. Nope. Okay, a few more. Barnstormer. Enjoy the same breathtaking moments that daring stunt pilots of the 1920s might have experienced as they zoomed over the fields of nearby farms. <laughs> I like might have experienced. Let me ask you this. Do you, we don't know. Do you think you could stop that ride with pool skimmers or tennis rackets? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, I assume they go through a barn at least once, but yes, yeah, that's the Simpsons. You know, I was thinking we need we need a button for a Simpsons. Anytime we do a Simpsons reference, I want a button, like a klaxon or something. We, we do probably like crusty <laughs> hey hey or something like that. Just so that need. people know that you're, we're making a Simpsons reference, because if people don't watch the Simpsons, I, I'm they, so, may, they may have, like, what are you talking about? I just can't get away from 
Bob, if the pool skimmers don't get you, the tennis rackets surely will. Right. Um, okay, so the lemon twist, we're getting into like kids' rides. Once you spot the giant lemonade pitcher, you know you're not far from the lemon twist. <laughs> That's the whole description. What is the ride? I don't know. There's no description of the ride. It's just look out for a giant lemonade pitcher, <laughs> and you know you're close. <laughs> I mean, I want to know. I want to meet the person who wrote, who wrote these because they're amazing. Uh, okay, and then amazing flying elephants. It's just the Dumbo ride. That's I was thinking. Be that's what my question was going <laughs> to be. It's just the Disneyland Dumbo ride, and I was looking at it like this looks exactly like the Dumbo ride. I wonder how they get around the old trademark. Well, here's, here's how they get around the old trademark problem. It says take a seat aboard one of the quote elephant cars, <laughs> <laughs> legally distinguishable from elephants. You know, it's quote unquote elephant. That is great. It says you can even let mom and dad ride along if you want. Um, but anyway, so those are some of the. I, I enjoyed some of the descriptions. I also have. Some info on the dining there, which there are two competing granny-related restaurants. There's Aunt Granny's All-You-Can-Eat Buffet, and there's Granny Ogle's Ham and Beans. Oh, man. So I'm just imagining the two warring grannies. I was going to say, is it like the Hatfields and the McCoys? <laughs> I mean, the basically, just the granny wars. In the streets, fighting. And then they have uh, two pizza places. There's Victoria's Pizza, and there's Jack's Pizza. Both have the exact same image of a pizza on their on their description. Is like, it the same Jack's Pizza that I can get really cheap in the frozen <laughs> section of my grocery store? I, I don't imagine it is, but um, they both show the same image of pizzas. I assume it's a, and to make another Simpsons reference, I assume it's a Duff, duff Light, Duff Dry scenario. I where think it's just you're like right. The pizzas are just coming from <laughs> the same pizzas at both places. So anyway, and then the last thing I want to touch on for, as far as Dollywood is, there's a Dollywood blog. Wow. It's called Dollywood Insiders. And some it's of like these Vegas insiders, I guess. But some of these posts are so terrifying. Like Uh-oh. I don't want to meet the people who write some of these. There's one about like a woman. She learned the true meaning of Christmas at Dollywood, and it's all about like. Let, let me just. I know this is going on a while, but let me let me just read the first couple paragraphs of all this. Right. I don't want to meet this woman. She sounds terrifying. <laughs> okay. If you're looking for a memorable, festive, fun, tasty, entertaining, and exciting way to celebrate the holidays, we can agree that Dollywood has those bases covered. Right? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I mean, I'm obviously putting a slant on it, but where else can you go to experience a jolly holiday amidst the splendor of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park with thrilling rides and attractions, plenty of live shows and spectacular music, dancing, elaborate sets, tasty treats, happy visits with reindeer, snowmen, Santa and his elves, and more with four million dazzling lights eclipsed only by a gleaming nighttime Christmas. This Come is all on. one sentence. Oh my God. Eclipsed only by a gleaming nighttime Christmas parade to ensure that it all ends on a high note you'll never forget? Question mark. <laughs> It's true. A day, that, a day, that can't be a real review. That, that has to be. This an is the Dollywood. I mean, probably they're paid people. I'm sure. Yeah. they're paid bloggers. But let me get to the part I enjoyed. It's true. A day spent experiencing a Smoky Mountain Christmas at Dollywood will definitely check off all those boxes and more. There's no better way to create a beautiful memory memory your family can enjoy for a lifetime. But what if you experienced all of this fabulousness and you find yourself searching for something a little bit quote more unquote? <laughs> okay. More what, you might ask? Isn't all of this enough? (laughs) Well, for many it is, I suppose. But the truth is, like me, you may find that all this excitement and wonder still leaves you a little empty. Here's the good news. If you're looking for something, quote, more, something, quote, real, something, quote, true, you may find something in a Smoky Mountain Christmas at Dollywood for which you didn't know you were even searching. And then it goes on to talk about Jesus. Oh, my (laughs) Hey, when you get there, can you bring back some of that nice green moon money for me, Royce McCutcheon? I tried to give it the 
amount of mania that I imagine it was written. It was just like, that is insane. this is an intense Christmas post about Dollywood. It's like, good Lord, back off. I was going to say, I don't think any vacation spot I've ever been to would I write with that kind of hyperbole. They're insane. They're insane people. Uh, I can tell you, we went to the water park. I posted nothing as a Dollywood insider. Oh, I don't think you have access to the Dollywood insider blog. I'm, like I said, I think these are all paid bloggers who are like write something good and then they go way overboard. Maybe and, and, and to the point where it's terrifying. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's a career move for you. You can be a paid blogger for Dollywood. <laughs> um, I don't think they would. I, I would. I would be sneaking in all the sarcasm I could. I, like, I would write that exact article, but it would be clear Dripping. that I was. <laughs> I was not being serious. Dripping like, in sarcasm. Oh right? my god, this place it solved all my problems. Now I'm I'm wealthy because I learned all of Dolly Parton's secrets about wealth and happiness. <laughs> I mean I'm not that's not even that far off from what are actually being written. It's like it's insane. I had a broken leg and it was miraculously healed. I mean it's not <laughs> it's not far off. The cult of personality going on in Dollywood is intense. Let me well let me just finish by saying this. I'm obviously not gonna read the whole article about like Jesus is the reason for the season and all that. That's what that's where that article goes. But then it loops back around to Dolly Parton. The light of God shines through Dolly Parton, and that's the real like the glory is come to Dollywood and you'll see God's light through Dolly's creation. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, because the blog exists to sell the park, and so she has to loop it back around to like come to Dollywood, spend your money. The true meaning of Christmas is not being not commercialism, but here, come and spend your money anyway. <laughs> spend your money in Dollywood, <laughs> right? It's crazy. I, I, I don't even know if I'm doing it justice. I read so many of these posts, and I just came away with it going like, these are the most terrifying people. You know what that, I mean? But, you know, that's what happens when you go down the Silk Kozar hole. I get you, that you, for sure. I went way deeper than I'm willing to even talk about here on this podcast. <laughs> that's outstanding. If I seem frazzled, it's because I've come out of this hole and just like, you have no idea the horrors I've seen. <laughs> I'm glad to be back in the real world. Yes, for sure. All right. So uh, I think that that's the end of the Kozar Corner, correct? It is. I'm done. Now it's <laughs> time for what this podcast is really all about, the body count. That's right. I still don't have a jingle for the body count. I all right. Well, it's easy on this one. It's zero. It's zero. So, so the, obviously the per movie counts have changed. So yes. let me just. Oh, and also a retraction. I think from Demolition Man. You can tell me if, if you disagree. But we added five to Stallone's count because the building blew up at the beginning, and five people right. we figured died. I don't think we should give those to Stallone. I feel like Simon Phoenix. Fi- Simon Phoenix dropped the the cigarette and blew up the building. All right, that's probably fair. So, uh, so I'm taking that back to my original body count, which was three. I approve this message. Okay, good. So. Uh, last episode, we were at 257 total for Stallone across five movies. Now it's across six movies. So he's gone down from 51.4 bodies per movie to 42.83. Still way ahead of Arnold's 14.76, but it's just to keep track of this horse race. He's going to keep coming down and down and yeah, down. He's so got a lot that aren't going to add to the body count. I think the question sure. just becomes, is this head start he has, is it going to be enough? It's a pretty big one. Even though there's no bodies, there's a few yeah. numbers changing. That's, so there you go. That's good to get that in, and now we've got to get the Wrecking Crew Award. That's right, which I also don't have a jingle for, I just realized. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, it's still early. It's only We're the working out the kinks. Long. We do need one for the Wrecking Crew Award. If you have any suggestions, because I think the ones I don't have jingles for are just things I couldn't think of anything. All right. So I'll have to think on that. <laughs> Feel free to let me it know. It was easy for me to assign this award, by the way. Really? Yes. Oh, I'm interested to know who you gave it to. Oh, it was, easy. It was Jake, without a doubt. Okay. She gets the two punches in, and while I don't necessarily enjoy Dolly Parton's music, she was the only one that could actually perform music in this musical. That, that's fair. I think that's it's a perfectly valid reason to give it to Jake. And, you know, I, I thought about giving it to her. Okay, well, who did you go with? But in my, in my mind, the Wrecking Crew Award is not necessarily just about violence, like physical violence. Okay. I think it's about who has the most impact 
on the movie. That's a fair way to look at it. And to me, that was Elgar. I think his song is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Blood on the corn and brains on the hay. Can I, I know you never like to reveal this, but can I assume that that song is going to be used in this (laughs) intro or outro? (laughs) Almost certainly. Okay. I think that's, that's a very good bet. You want to make a bet? That's something to bet. (laughs) That the odds are very, very favorable. Very, very high. He also did wreck that mic stand. So if you want to do about (laughs) physical violence, he did. You're right. He should have been in the running. I didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't even think of him, but that mic stand, I should have put him in the running. In terms of property damage, he probably does the most. I can't think of it. Oh, it's the taxi gets well, wrecked. Well, yeah, the Stallone, uh, Nick, has the taxi as well. So, But yeah, I'm giving it to Elgar. All right. The actor's name was Rusty Buchanan. Just That's a great name. Pro- I like that name. I like <laughs> Rusty Buchanan. Yeah, that's a better name for a country singer than Elgar or whatever. Yes. I didn't get his last name. All right, so now uh, the, the finale. We've got to give our Rocky rating. We will rate the movie using a Rocky opponent. Yes. Are we going to badmouth this film? Obviously, yes. Uh, I am. So going into this, what I was hoping for, I was hoping for an Ivan Drago. That's what I was hoping for based sure. on the premise. It did not meet Ivan Drago. For me, it didn't even get to Tommy Gunn. It's Spider Rico. I kind of figured you'd give it a Spider Rico. Yeah, I didn't. I'll be going into it. I wanted it desperately to be fun bad. I really did. And just for me, it wasn't. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, I, I don't feel like you didn't give this movie a chance, even though it makes total sense to me that you that I liked it more than you just because, you know, as you we talked about at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the music. You're not really into yeah. particularly country music. I mean, neither am I, but I enjoyed the music for what it was. All right. So then what uh, what are you giving it? I think the rating is pretty obvious, even though, you know, I think this rating is totally arbitrary, which Rocky opponent we're going to give it. It's it's partially based on quality, but I think partially it's based on other things. So in this case, Uh-oh. I'm going to give it a Mason Dixon because obviously it should get a Mason Dixon. Oh, I <laughs> touche. How could I not give it a Mason Dixon? This is the only this is the perfect opportunity. Mason the line Dixon from Rocky Balboa. That's that's my rating. Touche. Did we have do we have an official definition of what a Mason Dixon is? Well, in my mind, Mason Dixon is the line. He's Mason the line Dixon. He's the line between good and bad. Oh, all right. That's I hadn't thought about that. That is good. So yeah. when it's right on the border, That's, you give it a Mason yeah, Dixon. It, it's a it's a mediocre movie. I think is is what a Mason Dixon. I, is. I wish I could go that far, but for me, it wasn't a mediocre movie. Yeah. But I understand. I understand. That's that's. I'm glad when we don't always agree on this podcast. Well, that's why I like the fact that our rating system isn't numerical, because it's not like, what are we arguing about? I gave it a Mason Dixon, and you gave it a Spider Rico. <laughs> what difference does it make? Like, it, it, I like the fact that you, couldn't, you can't average these two. It's not like you can mathematically say, here's what we give it. It's no. like, what's the average between a Mason Dixon and a Spider Rico? I guess it is a Tommy Gun, but uh, uh, yeah, that's so not how it works is, in no, my mind. It's not. That's not the intention. That's for sure. All right, so that's that. That's, that that's is the show. That's Ryan's done. So we got to move on to our next movie, which is your yes, pick. Yes, it is my pick, and uh, it's me. Oh no, this was on air that I said that you saved yourself from stopping my mom. That's right. Shoot. Oh, and by the way, I want to I want to mention something before you make your pick, even though I'm pretty sure it's not going to affect this particular pick. I just want to get it out there that in general, when there's a series, we tend to go in order. Yes. We did it with the Terminator. We're yep. going to do it with Rocky. We did it with Conan even. I just want to mention this, that when it comes to Rambo, I don't care. 
Okay. I think w- I am perfectly fine if you pick a, a Rambo movie out of order, unless you would rather do them in order, but you've never seen no, anything I, after I, First Blood. So No, I'm fine doing them out But of like order. Rambo, it's not like you're going, am I going to understand Rambo 3 if I haven't seen Rambo 1 and 2? Obviously, it doesn't matter. No. So we can freely do any Rambo in any order. There's, I just wanted to mention that before you make your That's pick. That's fair, and I do agree with that. Okay. But uh, it is not going to impact this pick. I didn't think so. So I wanted a, a bounce back, uh, at least for me, because as I said, this was a Spider Rico. So yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful that this is a bounce back and i'm looking forward to i i haven't seen this one in a while so i'm looking forward to doing it in detail and in depth i'm gonna go with copland copland you know what yes. if you hadn't picked it i would have picked it for the fourth movie oh so. well, perfect then yeah, we'll, i was planning on going for copland. Yeah, so we need a bounce back i agree and and i think that this should be it was a movie that i i've seen many times but when it came out i really liked it and it was not well liked as i remember at the time and i just didn't understand what people had a problem with. i think it's a really good movie but yeah. it's been a while too so we'll see how uh, how it's held up i actually watched it again recently when we okay. decided to do this you were getting uh dusting off some of the stallone i'm pretty catalog. sure i'm pretty sure it's on hbo i don't think i paid money for it i went like oh okay. it's, it was on some service i went like oh i can just watch this so i did gotcha. so yeah i i definitely have already formed an opinion about whether All or right. not it holds up well i already revealed that i was going to pick it so maybe that hints at how I feel about we'll it. We'll see. But I'm so excited to talk about it. I'm excited about Copland too. So, oh, uh, one, more, one last thing, and I want to back up to the ratings segment, which I, I meant to bring up. I was going to suggest we rate each song based on <laughs> Rocky opponents, but I have a feeling you're not going to put up with that. No, I am not. <laughs> I have every song uh, ready to go on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you didn't you didn't veto this, but I kind of figured I, I, that is outstanding. I give you credit for the effort. You're not gonna we're gonna do it. You're, no. you're already done. I can tell. You're, yes, I'm done with episode. rhinestone. I am ready to move on to Copland. Mike has the this episode is over face, so I'm not, I'm not gonna push it. So with that, we'll be back with Copland. Oh, I was gonna. I had an ending. Oh, all right. Well, then do it. Y'all come back now with Copland. <laughs> Thank you. In a long white gown and a bridal bouquet, how I begged her not to plow the fields that day. Oh, her beauty never stops. She failed her duty to her crops. Duty? Duty? She jumped in the old John Deere. She drove away. Hey, hey. But don't you worry, this will only take a minute But the wheels caught her gown and dragged her down And imagine my surprise when I looked her in the eyes Oh my God, I couldn't believe it The tractor cut her down the Oh, how the hands of faith they cracked her Neath the wheels of her daddy's tractor there was blood on the corn and brains on the head. Hey, hey. I made as fast as I could, but all I found was chunks of my sweetie smeared all around, baby. Oh, my darling, on the cold, cold ground. Happened to my Loretta. <laughs> <laughs>